0: This episode of Continuing Mission is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome everyone to another episode of Continuing Mission, our look at the ways in which fans are keeping Star Trek alive. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and the primary focus of this show is on the fan series, or as I prefer to call them, independent productions, that tell new stories set in the Star Trek universe. And joining me today, I have a co-host for Continuing Mission, one of the co-hosts of our Voyager show, To The Journey. To the Miss Journey! <laughs> to the Journey! I don't know if anyone listening to this show is going to get that yet, sure. but go listen to To the Journey and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. That's right. But it is Charlene Schmidt. Shar, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you could join me tonight. You know, this is typically a solo show with me and guests, but tonight we have a very special guest who most of our listeners will probably remember best for his role as Ichab on Star Trek Voyager. Manu Interreme, and I knew, Shard that you would enjoy sitting down with one of the Voyager cast members.
1: Absolutely. You know it.
0: Manu will soon be on our screens again as he reprises the role of Ichab in the upcoming independent film Star Trek Renegades, which is being directed by Tim Russ and stars many familiar faces from Trek's past. Manu is here tonight to talk to us about this project, as well as Voyager and his acting career in general. So, without further ado, Shar, let's go ahead and bring Manu in. Hello, Manu. Thanks for joining us on the show tonight. How's everything going? Breezy, breezy, <laughs> as we were just talking about before the show. I, I asked you on the show today to talk about Star Trek Renegades uh, because this show is about independent Star Trek productions, and but I also want to talk to you about voyager a little bit and, and about your other acting and your background at all because most of our listeners know you from your role of each um, on star trek voyager but you've done so much other stuff and you know i was reading your bio and um according to your bio you decided you wanted to be an actor when you were four years old how did that happen
2: yeah that's a true story i i was watching peter pan and i, I know that i was four years old i had seen I know because I, I always put it to the year that um, "Big Trouble in Little China" came out. I saw "Big Trouble in Little China," and then the same year I was—that's not what—that's <laughs> not what made me want to be an actor. But <laughs> it should have. That's a great movie. I love that movie.
1: It is. But I was
2: watching—I was watching a, a, a community theater production of Peter Pan, and because I was four just the actors flying around on the wires when they had their happy thoughts blew my little mind and I remember from that point on just harassing my parents to let me go to LA and be an actor I was like I knew it at that point so every time you know every grade it was theater community theater every town we moved to it was i was involved in community theater yeah until i finally got a chance to get out here and and do the damn thing
0: that's pretty cool and so so you got out to la and how hard was it for you to break in and and get a first role
2: um rather difficult i think it took a i i got an agent right off the bat um because i had an in that's a boring story um, but it took about a year of auditioning for things until I got my first role, and my first role was in the movie called Senseless with Marlon Wayne's and David Spade. I just had a part playing a a, a kid that saves M- Matthew Lillard from ODing on a drug no' not matthew lillard uh, Marlon Wayne's um, and then I got my second gig was on and I almost quit acting then because I was so bad in that movie and I got yelled at by the director who 's a kick ass oh, really? director and she wasn't she didn't remember that she'd hired a first time actor and she was just having a bad day so so yelling at me this this you know it, i I was like ashamed of myself at the end of that day and I almost gave it up. But then the next job which was uh another horrible show called Pacific Blue I remember oh, that
1: yeah.
2: show. I, I know that one yeah Cops yeah. on Bicycles in Venice Beach. I was a Cuban yeah. cigar selling rollerblader.
0: <laughs> nice!
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but, you know, they had this that had this whole chase scene where I, like, jumped cars on my rollerblades. Um, but that shoot went really well and um, from that point on it was pretty steady work until I got this movie called Whatever It Takes with uh, a bunch of big actors these days, James Franco and Aaron Paul, and Shane West, and Colin Hanks, and that led to the audition for Star Trek, and then uh, Star Trek has basically kept me working since then.
1: (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about the process of getting onto Voyager? Was it long? Were you in rather quickly?
2: Um, Truthfully, you know the guy that cast me in Senseless, the movie that I was horrible on? His name was Ron Serma. And he was the same guy who cast Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. And I was with a agent at the time that was a homosexual man, a fantastic, queenie individual. And Ron also is a homosexual man and a fantastic individual. And they were in a salon getting their toenails done And my agent said, you've got to see Monuente Reime for the part of Icheb. And Ron remembered what had happened on Senseless and said, no way, not not a chance in hell am I seeing that kid again. And my agent got really (laughs) pissed at him and threw a hissy fit and made the girl that was working on his toes cut his foot. And so he's like, God. Dang, dang it! You cut my foot. If you know, I cut my foot, and you made me cut my foot, pissing me off. He's good. You're gonna see him. And because of the spilt blood, Ron saw me again. And um, then after that, it was you know four more callbacks. And you get you you go back to, for the director. You go back for the director and the producer, and then you go back for Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and um, the director and the producer and casting. So it was a very long process for sure.
0: Whew, wow. Indeed. So blood literally had to be spilt for, for me you to get, get in the there.
1: Of <laughs> <Utah>. Start <laughs> to finish. How long did that take?
2: Well, once I got the audition, I don't know when the the, the salon was. My agent just told me that story uh, like maybe a year later mm-hmm. after it happened. So um, two, two, a week and a half. I mean, it's pretty quick you read and if you get the call back, it's a couple of days later. Um, if you get the call back again, it's maybe the same day, maybe a day later, and um, then the final final test is one more time. So it's at least four days of audition, sometimes less. And, you know, I, for Voyager it was that way. For other things, different movies and, and television shows, sometimes it's really weird. Sometimes you will audition once and you'll get the call and you're hired. And, sometimes you're offered the role. You don't have to auditions. Um, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes you audition for something and you forget that you auditioned for it. It was so long ago and suddenly you get the call. So it, it, it's all, yeah, yeah. it varies, you know?
0: Sure. Have you found that after doing Voyager, have you had more instances of people calling you up and just offering your role and saying that, uh, you know, we, we, I know, we're Star Trek fans or whatever, and you know we we saw you on your what was it eleven episodes I think of, mm-hmm. of Voyager, and we want you to come in and be and be on our show.
2: Yeah, it was like every other other episode for the last uh, two seasons. Um, I've definitely gotten work from from being recognized off Star Trek. I mean, I did a, a, a war film called Fortress, which was a World War II film a few years ago. And the director of Fortress is a man named Mike Phillips, and he used to work for the makeup coord- the make head of makeup over there. That's how he got his in into entertainment. Oh man, the Star Trek community is going to kill me for not knowing the makeup artist. He's michael a Westmore. super famous guy, the guy that' you talk about michael Westmore Michael Westmore thank you then years later uh he was directing a film and knew my work and and gave me the part
1: sweet cool
2: thing yeah it was sweet things like that happened too
0: what was it like I, i'm curious too because you did some you've had some guest roles on comedies like king of queens and when you walk on a set and you hear about the star trek actors and how they cut up on the sets and you know, so, some of them are serious like you hear ds9 was a very serious set and you hear others were not so serious so. yeah
2: those guys are a bunch of very serious guys that's funny
0: yeah, like um, I, I was reading something the other day about Garrett Wong playing jokes on Jerry Ryan when she first got cast on the show and such, but what was it like for you, you know, having done different TV shows leading up to, to Voyager and including some comedies, like I said, the, the King of Queens, and then you get on the Voyager set.
2: Voyager was, you know, this is not just PR crap. This is the truth. You know, a lot of shows, you, you when you come on as a guest star, you you're treated sort of as an outcast, and a lot of TV Mm -hmm. stars in Hollywood tend... Not a lot, not the majority, but you can basically count on a television star being sort of an egomaniac compared to when you meet an A-list film star. They're usually pretty humble and cool people. I don't know why that rule or stereotype exists, but it seems Mm -hmm. to. But when I got on Voyager, that whole cast was very supportive from the get-go. They were willing to run lines. Um, they, I felt like I was part of the team very quickly, um, and I didn't feel like I had to say uh, Mrs. Mulgrew or uh, Mr. Beltran or any of that crap, you know. Um, yeah. And it was a, it was just a pleasure, you know. All those guys were so funny. Working with Ethan, Ethan Phillips, is almost impossible because the guy's so hilarious. I don't know if you guys have ever. I can imagine that man, but he's such a ball yeah. of energy. And he, you know, he's a character actor, so he's got a thousand, million different voices, and he collects jokes. So he's, the guy never runs out of jokes. Like. I don't think I've heard the same joke twice. I'm sure Tim Russ and some of the other guys will tell you differently because they've hung around with him more than I have. But <laughs> I've hung around with Ethan quite a bit, and I've never heard him tell the same joke twice, and they're all hilarious. He was doing a show. We were doing The Haunting of Deck 12, and um, mm-hmm. he, we were working with the kids, and he put up the a book, and he's going, I'm going to read you guys a bedtime story, Flotter Meets the Invisible Vertebrae. But instead, he said, "I'm going to read you guys a bedtime story." Well, while the camera was rolling, my pet duck farts too much, and the kids fart <laughs> joke. The kids just laughed hysterically, and then they every time he would he would say that line, they would lose it. Be- so we lost like three and a half hours that day.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow!
2: And and That's even. Awesome. With- Sort of love it in his own demented way and, and so did I and so did everybody By that point it was season six And people could get away with murder You know
0: the only person that didn't
2: <laughs> like it Was probably the uh, On set producers that were trying to Get everything shot on time
1: <laughs> I've heard a lot about Pranks that have been done on the Voyager Set and the guys especially Seem like a very lighthearted bunch And love to have fun and Do whatever they can to Just make things loosen up a little bit. I mean, there's, yes, you're there to do a job, but you're there to have fun too, it sounds like. And, uh, you know, when I've been to conventions, I've heard endless stories about pranks happening on the set. So I would love to know if anybody pranked you or if you ever got in on a prank. What happened?
2: <sighs> my, story, my story is so bad. I, You know, I didn't quite have the... Uh, what's the word? The seniority to to prank. Okay. I was more the guy that that you know was going to get pranked more than um, I tried to prank back. What we would do often, or what they would do often, <laughs> was in in ADR when you go in to dub to reloop your lines if if your lines didn't the sound didn't come out well. What you can do is when your head's turned away from camera. You can say something else, and so the actor that comes in behind you is expecting to is expecting the line that, and you can say something offensive or funny that gets them right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this had happened to me a couple of times, and so I tried to get Robert Beltran back on the episode um, "Shattered," and Robert Beltran okay. walked up to me and in, in and said, "Um." I I need you to hide this Antarian cider or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he said his line was, "Okay, Ichab, your secret's safe as long as you keep mine." And I said, "What do you mean, the young boys in your trailer?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
2: I thought I was being hilarious and I got to set the next day and I walked up to him <laughs> and I punched him in the arm and hey, I got you. <laughs> he just rolled his eyes and walked away.
1: Aw,
2: boo. <laughs> Which was fantastic, you know, cuz it was like, no way, kid, you know, you got a long mm-hmm. way to go.
0: Um but I think he secretly really really got it though. He's like, he was thinking yeah, that was a good you one. You did. He just yeah.
1: had to stand his ground. That's all.
0: Yeah, he right. he couldn't yeah. admit,
2: um that it happened. Um but, you know, yeah, all sorts <laughs> of funny things happened. So we laughed a lot and uh, scoot around behind camera a lot. Uh, there was a time uh, I remembered this just popped into my head. There was a naked Jerry moment in Q2, where Q ma- takes off her clothes with a snap of his fingers and stares at her for a while. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene later in the show where he's standing next to Echeb and she says, "Is is is there any?" The captain says, "Is there anything else you want?" And he says, "I could see you naked again," and I was standing off camera. And I made a facial gesture, like, "Hell, yeah, you know, and thumbs up to him
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and which is so on Ichb, and the doctor would always make he would always be able to change lines that were purely unsexual, and just in the yeah. way that he said them, make them sexual, like I remember a line when I saved seven 's life, and I'm laying on the table, and we were in rehearsal. The line was, um, jer says, pain I caused him, and the doctor says, pain he was willing to endure, but when the doctor delivered it, he said, pain he was willing to endure, and right.
1: <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, he just, no, with no, a little no. bit of inflection, he would change it to sexual, and I th- it was something before that, too. And he would always say, like, horrible, horrible things at the end of takes. Like, <laughs> tell the captain I'll see her at 0800, 0800. Oh, and mention that she's the righteous beep. You know, he would wait and just throw things in there like that. So, I mean, we we were always having just a, a blast making each other laugh at the end or the beginning of takes.
0: <laughs>
2: I mean, you had a win if you made somebody laugh and screw up the take. That was like a win.
0: <laughs> directors love that game don't they? i'm
1: sure yeah and the crew too who they just want to get home for the night <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you seem like a much less serious person than your character Echeb. and i've always thought you know the most serious people when they cut loose they do a 180 like they go totally insane and i'm wondering what would Echeb be like if he just went crazy you have any ideas
2: well, you know, I really wanted that to happen. I I I even bothered the writers about cuz I naturally d- do sort of float towards comedy. A, a couple movies coming out this year, I play some really sort of wacky characters. And um I wanted to do an episode where eachab got to get a personality and go in the holodeck and like a Fairhaven episode or where he just played some wacky jester or something, you know. And just just completely see his a, a different side of, of him, because he was also, always so cranky and serious, and you know he was always sort of the butt end of, it, of his own intellectual capacity. you know he took things so seriously yeah. that it was funny when he right. thought Bolana had the crush on him, and: um, you know. yes, mm-hmm.
1: yes, that's just what came to mind.
2: He was so certain of it, you know. That it's just like, oh, poor Ichib, he doesn't even know, you know. <laughs> I t- I I scanned you. We we've got to stop this, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I love how Belana just goes along with it. That was very good of her. Yeah,
0: very kind of her to just let him down. So Manu, that that's something you wanted to do back then. Yeah. Now it's thirteen years later. If if you were Ichib right now in Voyager, be honest now. What what would be that holodeck? fantasy that each other would go into
2: oh holodeck fantasy you changed the whole question (laughs) and we know the answer to that question um
1: (laughs) vulcan love slave volume three
2: yeah uh, i you know all the girls on the crew are just fine We could do a uh what is it called a foursome how many women were on that (laughs) you got bolana you got the captain you got jerry is that it
0: You had Cass earlier. You could bring her back. Oh, we could bring back Cass.
2: Yeah. So that would be a, that would be a fivesome. Each had fivesome on the holodeck (laughs) and we'll just, you know, make it a, just, you know, no plot, just 60 minutes of sex. Hardcore. Boldly going where no Star Trek episode has gone before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Fantastic.
0: Well, Manu, we, we did want to talk a bit about Renegades, because that's a new thing coming up. And I mentioned it's been 13 years since you were on Voyager playing ECHUB. That's when Endgame aired. How did you get on Renegades, and, and what made you decide to come back and reprise this role of ECHUB?
3: Well, it started actually with an email. Um, I got an email from the producer um, with a pitch about what the project was about. And noticed by that time that a lot of actors from voyager including Kim russ and ethan and and um corin was involved and eddie furlong and all these people so, so and i knew that it was by the producers of gods and men and i'd seen that um when it came out maybe eight ten years ago and the pitch was cool because they pitched it as this like darker look at the star trek universe which had the possibility of being something really different. Um, Maybe pissing half of the Star Trek community off. um, Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe Mm -hmm. not. But I I was just interested to do something dark and something different and to something, some Star Trek that is un-Roddenberry. And a lot of people would not be very happy with that. But that was why I was drawn to it. So... I signed up, but then it turned out in the long run that the script was rewritten a few times, and there were a few actors that, that were involved in the project in, in more of a way than just, just acting that decided that they were going to tone down the darkness and make it more canon and more
0: Not really?
3: what Star mm-hmm. Trek normally is. So all the blood went away and all the gore and guts, and it's still a darker look, but it's it's not the first script which I found was like hard R, just heavy duty. It was it was intensely over the top, dark. Um, and so I still think it's going to be a neat movie, but um, uh, it's just not it's not the the dark dark thing that I thought it was going to be. Um, and they also told me the the idea that they had for Icheb and I I thought it was a, a a neat take on, on on him. And so I decided to give it a go.
0: Can you tell us anything without spoiling, of course, you know, anything that you can't talk about, but can you tell us anything about Echeb's role in, because last time we saw him, you know, he was on Voyager uh, as one of the, the younger Borg there, former Borg, I should say. What is, what is Icheb doing in Renegades? Well,
3: He had gotten back to Earth and joined the Starfleet and somewhere along the line there, very early into being back, maybe a year or two, he was convinced by Section 31 to join this program that he was told would help people that had survived Borg assimilation assimilation, deal with their issues and then so he could help like Seven helped him, and like the captain helped Seven, et cetera, um, could, you know, help them deal with learning an individuality, et cetera, et cetera. But it turned out that the program was something much more darker than that, and they were, they needed Ejeb and people like him to turn, because they had gotten all this new technology from the Borg, and they wanted to implant it into... Starfleet officers that were able to to deal with the implants and still remain, you know, not Borg. Um, so they made each of into this h- hardcore weapon, and he has all these new powers. But at the same time, it damaged his brain, and it put all these nanoprobes into his system, and he's he's a darker, angry character that's trying to be good and trying to keep his head on straight, but has so much power inside him that he has a tough time always doing the right thing, um and has a, he's lost himself. So wow. I thought that was really sort of interesting and um a grown up messed up each <laughs> If you've seen some of the previews you see he's got that new um sort of eye laser piece that it it morphs out of his head when he goes into battle mode when he fights. Oh wow. His arm changes into all these different weapons and he's they you know the, the, the Borg have become much they're still the Borg but they've they've gotten all these new weapons and new abilities like liquid steel terminators to blend in and and different things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a completely different take on he's not the, you know, he was never a little boy really, except for those first couple of episodes where he was bratty, but he's not as intelligent in, in this film and he's, he's more of a, you know, just kind of heavy artillery for, for the crew.
0: Going into seeing that and seeing what they were doing with him, did you have any idea, like if you were going to play Icheb 13 years later like this, have you thought about the character over the years? Again, not not that you're sitting around thinking about Icheb all the time, but just, you know, it was a role that you played. Have you thought as you've gotten older about new takes on the character? And is this in any way similar to, to anything that you might have wanted to do in reprising the role?
3: Well, back when I was doing Voyager... They were deciding on the next Star Trek show, and through the grapevine, I had heard, and I don't know whether this is a rumor or not, but this is what everybody was saying, was that they were deciding between Enterprise or a show called Star Trek Academy, and they were going to have a show based around the Academy, and so you could have missions that left Earth. You could have stuff going on at the school you know it leaves the the show open to a lot of possibilities um and at the time everyone was saying to me in my ear get ready you're you're going to be on that next show you're going to get a contract one of these days so i spent a lot of time thinking wow i'm going to be on the next star trek series as a regular <laughs> right um so i would love to do that truthfully and, whatever the heads of CBS and Paramount had to mind, if they decided to do Academy as the next show, I would love them to, you know, bring each of back and, and give him some sort of purpose on, at the school or um, probably as a teacher at this point.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I could definitely see that.
0: I, I'm curious, Manu, when you talk about the things that you've done um, on Voyager, you remember episode titles You remember like, you know, alien words. You're just rattling those off. Were you a Star Trek fan before you got that role? Or is it just something you you just remember? You have ability to remember these things as an actor that some people don't.
3: You know, it's very strange how well I've been able to remember some things tonight. In in a lot of interviews, I really blank. Um, No, I I just, you know, it was a great experience. It was two years of, of a lot of fun. So there's a lot of memories in there. Um, I was definitely a fan of the franchise. I wasn't a fan of the TV show. I wasn't a fan, I wasn't, uh, not not to say I didn't enjoy it, because I'd seen an episode here or there, but I wasn't a regular watcher of Next Gen or Deep Space or um, Voyager. But I'd seen every Star Trek film. Okay. okay. I was a, more of a fan of, you know, the classic Trek um, even though I hadn't seen that show either, but I'd seen all the movies, so I'd seen yeah I'd seen First Contact as well, so and and uh, Generations and Insurrection, so I I knew that crew as well. So you could say I was yeah. a fan. I just wasn't a fan of the series because I'm a film fan in general. I just I love movies. That's my thing.
0: One reason I ask is because Renegades has this darker take, and you said they, to- they ended up toning it down a bit. Yeah. And I was curious what your uh, take on it was and what interested you in it, because if you know the classic Trek and the whole Gene Roddenberry utopia yeah. concept, and a lot of fans, you know, like you said earlier, maybe this is going to piss off half the fans. And a lot of people do get upset about conflict in the Star Trek universe. And you know, personally... I think it's more realistic way of telling story. I love Deep Space Nine. Did, was it, um, was it the, the darker of, the, of
3: them all? Or? Yeah,
0: yeah, well, there was a war. There yeah. was the war with the Dominion. And even Cisco is a captain. You know, He does things that are questionable yeah. for a Gene Roddenberry character and a captain. But he does things that I think are a little bit more to real life. And... So I was curious if you were a fan and if you had, you know, grown up at least knowing of Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek mold and the utopia, and then you signed on here for Renegades. It does take that darker look at the future. Yeah.
3: See my, I guess my basic opinion is Roddenberry had his vision and it was glorious and it was great. And it still is great. JJ has taken the, the Kirk Spock, He's taken the whole, all those characters and 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 updated it very well, and it's still about love and sacrifice and and love for your fellow man and etc. But as Roddenberry said at one ta- at one time, I saw a great uh, documentary recently that somehow I missed by Roddenberry's son Rod, and it was great. But you know Roddenberry was on stage, and he goes. He said, "Let me tell you guys something." And he was talking to the fans. He goes, "You're you're out there, and you seem to be of the opinion that I make this show for you. I want to put that get this straight. I don't. I make this show for me." And he was very adamant about that. Like this, you know, this is what I do for me, not for you. This is this is what I do for me. And I'm glad you guys enjoy it, but, and so from that perspective, I think it's okay to take a different angle and see a different Batman, a different Superman. There's been so many great writers of all these franchises that have stuck around, you know? And, you know, we, all of them have, why Star Trek is the only one that you can't a different version of you know take a take right. a different look at it and there's the guys yeah. that would be like gene would roll over in his grave and he'd be so angry but i don't believe he would be i think i think he'd be like wow look what these guys did i don't know if he would love it or hate it but i think he would want people to keep trying to you know put a new spin on his show
1: Absolutely.
3: So that, that's why I don't have a problem with it. I wanted to see as dark as it could go and, and you know, that's that some, you know, there was some politics within the, the community of writers and, and actors and producers and they decided the first script I saw was a really, really, really dark screenplay and I was really, really excited at that point and then it, it lightened up and it lightened up some more and, and, and that- now it's it's your basic Star Trek. It's, it's, I think it's still going to be a good film, but it's not, it's not going to be the dark, dark, dark Star Trek that it was.
0: Well, Manu, let's wrap up with talking about something beyond Star Trek. You've got a bunch of stuff coming up. I know that you uh, are your co-executive producing Benjamin Troubles and you've got some other stuff coming up. What can you tell us about what's going to be happening through this year and you know, on to 2015 for you?
3: Um there's a few things coming out. I, I have a, a role with. This is kind of a fun project called Unbelievable. It's a, a 1.5 million dollar movie with a bunch of Star Trek actors in it, and it's a farce. It's like Naked, like Naked Gun, or but it's a sci-fi farce. Okay. hmm And and it's about these plant monsters that come to Earth and change everybody into plants.
1: And it's <laughs> okay. got everybody,
3: in it. it's got me and Picardo and. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg and there's there's like thirty act- actors from big big actors from, from Michelle Nichols is in it. Uh, well, it, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. Uh, Michael so,
0: Dorn is in there too, isn't Michael he?
3: Dorn, yeah. Um, and yeah. it's just and it's also got a puppet by the guys that did Team America World Police.
1: Oh, nice. Playing
3: Captain Kirk, and he's <laughs> so it's all of us live action with this. Goofy little Kirk puppet that's trying to save the day. It's going to be really an odd film, um, but I'm interested to see what it looks like when they get it done.
0: Well, that, that I have to tell you that this one Star Trek fans are going to have to watch this because the you, you named some of the actors, but I mean it's a it's a literal who's who. Of Star Trek, it really is all the modern series. Mm -hmm. I saw a preview,
1: like you know, a little featurette of this some time ago, and it looks incredible. So, Trek fans definitely need to take a look when it comes out.
3: And they show they showed a a five minute preview for the people in Vegas one week after we started shooting. So that was pretty incredible that they could even get footage together to show anybody at that point. So I'm thinking it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty funny. I hope so, at least. And then there's... I I have spent the last three years making this movie called Benjamin Troubles uh, about this kid that finds a pair of magic blue jeans that produce a $100 bill on the hour, every hour. That's
0: (laughs) awesome.
3: As long as he doesn't take them off or wreck them. What is it? Do not repair, do not remove. Yeah, he can't take them off and he can't repair them. He can't rip them, etc. And... It's a it's sort of a dark comedy romance um, and you know sort of a urban fairy tale type of uh, film and you can see we've got a a temporary trailer up on the website the website's com. and it's a half a million dollar feature with a bunch of up, up and coming actors and uh, a couple of known actors from Australia playing some villains and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm also producing a film called Dark River, which is uh, uh, a thriller that I, at this point, can't say too much about. But um, we're halfway to um, our budget, and um, we have some really interesting actors that are going to be involved. So um, I'm going to try to do this, this, this generation's deliverance and see if I can pull it off.
0: Nice. Interesting.
3: And Diamond and uh, a couple other things coming out this year. Um, You can always look up my IMDb or my Facebook page. I always announce what's happening. Uh, Season 9 of One Tree Hill I was in and it got released recently. There's a movie called Six-Cons Savior that I have a little role in that's a a Western. Uh, I don't have my resume in front of me, but there's a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. coming Oh, my friend Mike Phillips is making like a, a crazy space adventure with me and Chris Owen, the the Shermanator from American Pie. <laughs> he he describes it as like um, Lord of the Rings in space, and we're just getting started <laughs> filming the trailer uh, this weekend, so that should be a riot. Oh, cool! And nice. a friend of mine's making the Fifth Passenger. Look up the Fifth Passenger dot com too.
1: Okay.
0: Well, you are a busy, busy man. Manu, I can tell right now. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned Facebook. People can find you on there. Uh, what about Twitter?
3: Yeah, Twitter, at Manu Entireme. And um, the Facebook page, you can go to the fan page. My regular page is filled up, but the fan page, is, can, I, I run it myself. It's not somebody else talking to you. So uh, I put okay. all the questions on there, too.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, Manu, it has been a blast talking to you tonight. I really appreciate you taking time out for, for Char and me. And a hearing about uh, Icheb, very gracious, talking about your time on Voyager. And we're looking forward to Renegades, too, and seeing this new souped-up Icheb.
3: Yeah, me too. Yeah. we got to wait for all the CGI, which can be a long wait sometimes. It takes a long time to do yeah. that stuff right. But we finished shooting, um, you know, more than a couple months ago. But we'll, I'm guessing it's another—I don't know because I'm not the producer, but I'm guessing it's another year or so till it'll be complete.
0: Okay. Okay. We will be watching for it, and and hopefully all our listeners will be checking it out as well. All right. So uh, thanks again for your time tonight.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, Char, I'm glad Manu was so generous with his time tonight and uh, talking about Voyager especially. You know, it's been so long, and I hope you enjoyed it talking to him about it as well
1: i really did he i couldn't believe the attention to detail on his recall and he says this doesn't happen every yeah. time but he remembered what Antarian cider was i was very that's what impressed. got me
0: yes that's what got me the Antarian cider that's where i was thinking because you know i i talked to a lot of of people who do these shows and they they not everyone can remember episode names. You know, some some, yeah. some actors are great at remembering episode names, and some actors don't necessarily remember the titles. Just like, well, you know, a lot of fans are also not great with titles. Depends on your on, you know, how you see things, what your personality's like.
1: Yeah, sure. And time.
0: And time, right. Yeah, because you forget these and that's thirteen years. So. Yeah. I, Manu was throwing out these episode titles, and I was thinking, well, this is great. He remembers the titles. And then he said Antarian Cider, and I was like, okay, something's going on here.
1: <laughs> the guy did <laughs> his homework.
0: <laughs> so that so that was awesome. Uh, but, but I hope everyone enjoyed hearing all these interesting stories about being on Voyager and what went on behind the scenes. Uh, some of that stuff I had never heard of before. It's kind of stuff you only get directly from the actor themselves.
1: Yes. Oh, and I love hearing about that stuff so much because it sounds like the set really was a fun place to be, creative, goofy. You never knew it was going to happen on any given day. And uh, to hear that it really was a positive experience uh, makes me happy as a fan.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, Char, I'm going to wrap up the show here, tell everyone, you know, about where to find all of our stuff and our sponsors and all that stuff. So I'll let you go. But before I let you go, where can everybody find you if they want to follow you, uh, hear your show, and find out what's going on?
1: Well, every Thursday, you can hear me and Tristan Riddell on To The Journey. To The Journey. It's Voyager podcast. Thank you. <laughs> on Trek <laughs> FM here. And you can also catch me on Twitter. My handle is oh, the profanity.
0: That's right. It sure is. People wouldn't know it from listening to the show today, though.
1: No, no, I am I can be reserved, but every now and then I will cut loose. So beware, there is profanity sometimes on the Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, thanks for sitting in with me today, Char.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's been fun talking Voyager, Ichab, and Renegades with Manu today, but it's not the only thing we've been talking about here on the network over the past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit.
1: Montgomery, Montgomery Scott.
0: Scott. is really just there to tell a story that they couldn't tell with Kirk or Spock or McCoy.
2: This is true. An episode where Kirk is framed for the murder of a hooker would be right. Awesome. Completely different. It would be awesome? But Earl Grey.
0: Ships of TNG Part Two.
1: Commander Riker, why would you protect the inferior (laughs) ship?
3: I want its treasure. I want the other ship.
1: Darren,
2: how long have you been keeping that one in your pocket? Yeah, tell us. That was good. Do a
3: Ferengi. (laughs) The Ready Room.
0: Scientific method. She tells the the, the 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 woman that comes on the bridge, and she's like, "Well, it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to drive into these stars. It's going to be great. Like it's <laughs> like I'm just like
3: the orb. Till so death, do us, death. Do us part."
0: His are, are are very quizzical in nature. They they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who who is willing to accept. Okay, where what is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, tell me what to do right now. You know, like, she, right? She, there's nothing spiritual about her. To the journey! One versus doctor's orders.
1: I was working full-time on top of being a full-time student, and I... Listen,
0: I, do, I don't want to hear your excuses, okay? I don't want to hear them.
1: <laughs> like, life was happening, and...
0: A great man once
3: told me, if something's important to you, you make the time. Warp 5.
0: Undeveloped Enterprise Stories. But the idea here is that Porthos would become intelligent and would be the only member of the crew capable of communicating with a canine alien. So even Hoshi apparently couldn't figure out this dog language. Commentary, Trek stars. The I Bull, I'd love to see an X-Files one-shot with Scully
2: and, and the hookers. With know? Scully
0: and the hookers? Yeah. That's a great name for a band. call it Scully and the hookers.
2: <laughs> Melodic Treks. My musical favorites. You know, I don't completely hate the opening theme. I, I just really think that Archer's theme should be the opening credits. Continuing mission.
1: Star Trek Axelar with Alec Peters.
3: That's what we posit. We say it makes sense that at this point, we know it's from, from TOS. They're not integrated, so... Our crews are not integrated, uh, and, and we make a point of that. We don't avoid it. We make a point of it. And in Prelude to Axanar, they talk about that.
0: Literary treks. IDW Alien Spotlight Part 1. Well, Chris, it's okay because they can see the Romulans from their house. That's right. So from space. You know, you betcha. You know, what? that's okay. I can see the Romulans from my, uh, from my starship. It's going to be fine. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and get your daily Trek Talk fix. We have new Trek Talk for you every day of the week. And some days we even have two shows for you. And you'll find them in a wide variety of places, including on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zoom, or you can download or stream from our website. And if you're in iTunes, be sure to visit our new home in the iTunes store, where you'll find our dedicated artist page and section where we're able to group and highlight our shows and our episodes to help you find past content that you may not have heard. We're quickly approaching 1,000 episodes of our podcasts here on Trek FM, so there's a wealth of interviews and discussion waiting for you there, and the quickest way to get to it is simply to go to itunes.com slash trekfm. And while you're on iTunes, if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to leave us a star rating and a written review. We love to hear from you, and it does help other Star Trek fans find the show themselves. Now, if you'd like to send us your thoughts on Renegades, on what Manu talked about today in his acting career, Icheb Voyager, Anything about Star Trek you want to talk about, you can do that in a variety of ways. You can go to our website at contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Continuing Mission, and that will come to us by email. You can also send us a voicemail through the website, or you can go to our forums at forums to talk to us and other listeners about this show and anything you want to discuss from the world of Star Trek. If social media is your thing, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And you'll find us on Twitter where we're always tweeting away about Star Trek under username trekfm. And if you would like to find me, you can find me on Twitter also. My username is c Brian jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. And you can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username as well as on my personal website at cbryanjones.com. And elsewhere on the network, besides doing this show, you'll find me in quite a few places. You'll find me with Matthew Rushing on Literary Treks, where we talk Star Trek books and comics every week and interview authors. Matthew and I also do The Orb together, where we talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine. And then I do Warp 5 together with various guests to talk about Star Trek Enterprise. You'll also find me on my interview show Matterstream, which is about science and creative projects and social issues, things that are inspired by Star Trek or loosely related to Star Trek. And then you'll find me every week on The Ready Room with hosts from all around the network and special guests as we talk about Star Trek news and all five live-action Star Trek Series, and Shar is there with me every time we get to a Voyager episode. Before I let you go, I'd also like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com, the best source for audiobooks online. They have more than 150,000 titles for you to choose from right now, and they add hundreds of new titles every week. New releases, of course, when they come out these days, they often have an audio version. They also have lots of classics, they have lots of great Star Trek books, some of my favorites, like Prime Directive. Federation and Spock's World are on there. They have some great Voyager books as well. They have Jerry Taylor's Pathways and Mosaic, as well as some other Voyager books. And as a Trek FM listener, you can get any audiobook you like absolutely free just for trying Audible. And the way you do that is go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up. And you can choose any book you want. And if at the end of the trial period, you decide not to stick with Audible, there's nothing to lose because you get to keep that free audiobook. That's yours. But trust me, if you love podcasts, you're going to love Audible. And if you're getting your audiobooks from other sources right now, Audible really is the best place to go to get your audiobooks. I've been getting mine from them for 14 years now, and I have no plans to stop anytime soon. So go try it for yourself. Again, audibletrial.com slash FM And by supporting Audible, you'll be helping us keep Continuing Mission and all of our shows coming to you every week. And we really thank Audible for their support of the network and the show. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show and join me again next time on this Continuing Mission. And let's see what's out there.